Beatrice. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing The Madness of Miss Gray by Julia Bennett. So this was published in 2019 and is the first book in the Harcastle Inheritance series. So Meg, you read this first. I did. I read this first. And I, so I'm going to be honest, I went into this kind of blind. It was on sale and I was like, oh, why not? I'll look into it. Uh, It had blurbs from Angst Queens, Kerrigan Byrne and Elizabeth Hoyt. And I thought, why not? I'll, I'll read it. And I read it and I was like, this is a very interesting book. I thought it was well-written, and I thought it was very interesting, which is why I thought we should feature it on the podcast. All right, so let's jump into the jacket, because I think even just talking about the premise has a lot of fodder. Yes. So, the jacket. All of society believes former actress Helen Gray to be mad, but after a decade imprisoned in a crumbling Yorkshire asylum, she's managed to cling to sanity. When a new doctor arrives, she finally sees an opportunity for freedom, and she'll do anything to not let it slip between her fingers. Dr. William Carter knows Miss Gray is using him, but he can't blame her. She's no madder than he is, yet she spent years in this place. He'll help her escape, but they can't cross the line and give in to temptation, no matter how much he would like. Helen and Will need to work together if she's ever going to be free. It won't be easy. Not when her mysterious benefactor is determined to keep her locked up and hidden from society forever. When Helen is entangled in her own trap and begins to fall for Will, too, she must fight not only for her liberty, but for her right to love. So the jacket gets at the conflict. Mm-hmm. I don't really have any complaints about the jacket at all. I mean, I, I will say that the jacket is, as we say, it is accurate in spirit, although not to the letter. Right. Which, again, is fine as long as you've got the major things that you need to know, which is Helen is in an asylum and Will is her doctor. <laughs> That's what you need to know. And I think that premise was something I never quite made peace with while reading this book. Yeah. That's and fair. Will doesn't either. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think having your heroine be in such t- dangerous and neglected circumstances and powerless circumstances for the whole novel was a really tough thing to read. Yes, I will say, you know, with the the power imbalance and the fact that she really has no recourse at all. It Mm -hmm. is a difficult, it's very difficult to read. I admit it. All right. I want to do our summaries and then I want to talk about like sex and sexuality in this book. Okay. So every week as usual, we generate a random number and write our own summaries. And this episode, the random number was 18. So my summary Helen's been locked up for over a decade and a hot doctor and an unknown brother saver. Yeah. I mean, that's it. This, this is mine. 
I'd totally seduce the hulkingly hot new doctor who doesn't know he's beautiful to escape in a sane asylum. Yeah. So, bare bones summary. Helen was born to an actress who was the mistress to various powerful people. Helen met her father briefly after her mother died when she was a teenager, but before he had her committed. But she didn't know his name. She only knew him by an alias. Mm -hmm. She knows his face. And she has no idea why he's locked her up, but her current doctor is also a quack who is just determined to see the worst in her. And she's being overseen by a nurse who just straight up abuses her. And one of the things they're convinced of is that she's impure and deviant and like fully sex addicted. And she very, very matter of factly is like, I had sex with a guy in the theater before I even like my mom died. Mm -hmm. I have taken up with two people since I've been committed in the last 12 years because I was desperate for any affection slash any way out of here. Mm -hmm. And I think it was, Like, I didn't mind her sex positivity at all. Like, I don't Mm want to put that down. But I do think it was very weird that the most blatantly forward about a woman's sexuality romance novel I've read in a long time was coming out of the mouth of a woman who was literally treated as insane. Yes. On the other hand, you as a reader and then the, the, the... Mm, what's the word I'm looking for? The sympathetic characters in the novel know that she's not crazy. So this is, right. you know, I, I, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me that that happened. Bother's the wrong word. It's more just, it really struck me. Mm, yes. Yes. No, I agree. I agree. And the question is, is she so open and accepting about it because she's been away from society? And this is, you know, all she's had, has she been right. able to cling to what, what she, how she grew up in the theater? Is this her strength of character coming forward? What, you know, what, why exactly did that happen? I don't know. Because you know? even though Helen is not diagnosably, you know, mentally suffering in a way that would require institutionalization, Even Will, who realizes she should not be there, recognizes that after being confined, cut off, infantilized for like 11, 12 years, she's developed issues because of the institution. She is depressed. She is withdrawn. She is, you know. Manipulative. Manipulative, exactly. And so he recognizes that that's not, she is not, for lack of a better word, crazy. She's just a product of her circumstances and for her healing what she now has as legitimate issues requires no longer being institutionalized. Mm -hmm. And so I think you're also in her head recognizing that like she is not a quote unquote normal 26 year old. Right. Because of all of this. Yeah. So I think this gets into the trope, right? The biggest one is the power imbalance between them. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a huge power imbalance. I've said it before. I'm sure it's not the last time I will say it. But there are two things that an author can do to to rectify the power imbalance. And first is to 
to recognize it. So even if it's just the author pointing it out, it makes it a little more palatable for a reader. But secondly, yes. if a character recognizes it as well within the text, that again, that's like the next step. And so Will is constantly thinking about the Hippocratic Oath and the fact that he does have power over her and it's a huge part and it informs their relationship from the very beginning. And it also informs the solutions they come up with. Yeah. I mean, she recognizes she's going to go from, if she marries Will, a ward of her father to effectively a ward of Will's. And she's not okay with that, but like she's made her peace with it as her only option. Yeah. She's basically like, look, if it's going to get me out of here, I will do it. I think part of like, not my problem with this book, because it's well-written and it's good. And I think this is the authentic answer, but like, I do wish she'd been empowered at any point. Yeah. She really never is. Even as this book finds its happily ever after and its resolution, her victory is that she is believed. Her victory is not that, she, that she, she's believed. Not that she finds her power. Yes. And I, she, I think that Julia Bennett does her best to give her a choice at the end. But that choice is only made possible because of a, a man. Yeah. And it's a choice in the sense that she's not forced to marry or be wed. Right. But it's not a choice in terms of like her finding a sense of her own identity beyond a patient. Yeah. I don't know. I think, like, here's the thing. I think this book was really good. Yeah. And obviously it's a romance novel, so spoiler alert, they end up together. But I actually think, like, I was left feeling really down. Yeah. Upon finishing it, like, yeah, women had no options. And just yeah. because she liked sex, she could be castigated. And, okay, I guess she found her happily ever after. As the best possible option, like, she acknowledges and he acknowledges, but he, she fell for the guy who saved her. Mm -hmm. And that's its own kind of complex. I don't know. Like, I just don't feel like this was not a feel-good book. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I say it's feel-good, but I, I, again, I, I thought it was written. I thought it was very interesting. And it's very unique. Yeah. I, w I have never read another romance like this. The only one that comes close in my mind is Jane Eyre. Right. And like, I'm even thinking, we talk a lot about the clothes and, and what scenes oh. of balls or ball gowns do for us. Like she is dressed by her abusive maid in the most infantile way possible. Mm -hmm. He's an underpaid public servant effectively who like, I, maybe that's kind of, I'm not saying this book and we'll get to this with sexiness, like didn't have any sexy moments. But, like, the two main characters were not made to be appealing in the ways that you would expect from a light and fluffy romance novel. That's true. That I agree with that. I would agree that this is not a light and fluffy romance novel, which I, we were warned of from the blurbs. Yeah. You know, from the blurbs and from the back of the book. Like, you, you know it. But, I mean, yeah. That it was just heavier for. than I was expecting, given the genre, even with the warning. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, okay. Any any other tropes? 
Well, this is one of the ones where you know that this person is right for you because he can see through your lies and he loves you anyway. Well, in her case, her manipulations to try to seduce him to have her convince him to help her escape. Correct. But at its heart, this is the trope. <laughs> right? Yes. Okay. I just want to make sure that I'm not going crazy here. So that one. And then my favorite, one of my favorite parts was we have the you don't know your beautiful trope. But it's Will who feels that way and not her. And you said before you hate it less when it's underscored that a woman may be physically plain, but what the appeal of her is her great personality. Yeah. Even this is not just gender swapped, it's gender swapped, but with that at its core. Yes. Like she's accused of being a trollop who always likes the pretty ones. And she even thinks in her own internal monologue at one point, they think I like the pretty ones. I don't. I like the nice ones. Yeah. Right. Yes. And yes. so like he is wrongly masculine but caring and that's what does it for her um, not like suddenly she thinks he's the hottest guy in the world yeah she's like she's like no you're not beautiful she goes but you're like rugged and you're so nice and he's like really that's what you like and she's like come to bed now you know <laughs> um yeah yeah that she, she he works for her yeah I yes exactly and you know that's that's just something that I like in romance in general is we've again, God, we've talked about it when I, I like it more when it's not, Oh, you're not my type. And more when it's like, you are my type, you know? Yes. Or, and that's where you make type. my type, you know, like you've, you've become my type almost. Right. Or like everyone I've ever loved was a sad approximation of you. I don't know. Yeah. You know, whatever. We, if you want the angsty version. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So just a couple others. She's a bastard of nobility. Yeah. I mean, big surprise. But I also think it's in a way interesting. Usually when we see a bastard of nobility, not always, but most of the time, it's the man. Yes. And the, the angst is sort of being unable to inherit, being unable to like take the place in society that you deserve, ending up in service to your extended family, blah, blah, blah. And I think it's interesting that in this case where we have a heroine as the bastard child of nobility, her noble parent has institutionalized her rather than acknowledge her existence. Uh Like the threat of the illegitimate actress daughter yeah. to a nobleman's reputation as compared to a known male by blow. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's treated very differently. And, and, and like some of it's the character her dad is like, I'm not saying it's a one-to-one comparison. It's just interesting that like the idea of being a bastard is kind of sexy. If you're a man, yeah. In a lot of these books, and mm-hmm. even in this book where you are meant to find her sexy and like the half of the romantic pairing, it isn't her bastardry that's sexualized. Mm-mm. Nope, no, not at all. So there's a return to a childhood home. Will is the asylum is actually where Will grew up, but at the time it wasn't an asylum. It was a country manor house, which mm-hmm. was sold after he left. And uh, now he's, so now he's returned. So he's back home, but it's, 
you know, you can never, what, is, what do they say? You can never go back home or whatever. You can't go home again. That Something would be like- the one. You can't go home again. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's what it is. It's, it's interesting because some things are the same. Most things are different. Yep. But the things that are the same work against him because he was the housekeeper's son. And he's in, obviously, a town where everyone knows that. Yep. So he's not able to just show up as the random doctor with an unknown past. Everybody here knows exactly what class he's from. Yeah. And so the master of the house he grew up in prior to his death and selling the property um, paid for Will to go to medical school. So Will is now young, avant-garde, pushing revolutionary ideas in mental health care. Yeah. And unfortunately. It's especially fun because there are things that seem very obvious to us. Right. Yes. Yes. Things that seem very obvious to us that at the time were, I'm assuming, revolutionary. If even thought of. I don't know how much of this is anachronistic. Yes. I was going to say, I'm assuming Julia Bennett did her, did her research because most of it seems very historically accurate. So. I have no idea with medicine when different mental health strides were made. That's the other issue, you know. Um, And then they do lie about being married, but this is another sort of reversal of trope, which I enjoyed a lot, too. Yeah. So basically, in my opinion, if you're going to write a story about a woman confined to an asylum who falls in love with her doctor, you have to do it you have to be very careful with the subject matter and you have to do it the right way. And I do think that Julie Bennett did. Yeah. I think even there are some parts of the story that ended up losing me a little bit, but weirdly it wasn't the part where a patient was falling for her doctor in an insane asylum. Right. That all like really worked. Right. I was like, well, that checks out. (laughs) I don't know. It, it, it felt, I think she I think she knew that it could go very wrong very fast and she was she was really respectful and really careful with how it was written because it would have been very easy to hate Will. Yes, and Will is an incredibly sympathetic character and I never turned on him and she walked some lines that I thought were really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um So suffice it to say, they don't have sex until after they're married. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a very deliberate choice on Julia Bennett's part. Yeah. That in a weird way, like once he was her husband, he didn't really feel like her doctor. Right. Which is some mental gymnastics. Like I'm not saying it isn't, but I think like those are the types of very deliberate choices Julia Bennett makes to try to mitigate the extreme power imbalance in the relationship yeah yeah because at this point yes he still has way more power over her than than she i mean she has no power but in a way all husbands did in a way all husbands did and also he's putting his reputation on the line for going Mm -hmm. out and secretly marrying a patient so he's he's lost a little bit of power as well. So mm-hmm. I, again, they're, they're still not on the same level at all, but the fact is he has, 
put himself out there for her a little bit. Yes. So, so yeah, so basically I was very impressed with how, how those lines were walked. I was too, but once again, I just want to stress that being impressed with managing that did not create any sort of like fluffy joy in the romance novel. Like every page was stressful. This is not, I would agree with Lane. I would say this is not a fluffy romance novel. This isn't one that you're going to pick up and at the end go, ah, I have little googly heart eyes. Like, no. Well, we've also talked about authors who handle tough subjects in a way that we're surprised they manage to keep things lighthearted. Mm. This is never lighthearted. Mm-mm, no, this isn't lighthearted. It doesn't try to be lighthearted. No, and the romance is at the center. Like, I'm not saying this isn't a romance novel. I'm just saying, like, this is an angst factory, which I probably should have known. I tried to. I told you. I warned you. You did. Okay, I'll go. (laughs) It's hard to warn me, though, because, like, this wasn't angsty in the way Elizabeth Boyle is angsty. Not not Elizabeth. I thought it was similar-ish to the way Elizabeth Hoyt is angsty. Sorry, Elizabeth Hoyt. Oh, I did not. I, and that's not an insult to either. I think Elizabeth Hoyt, honestly, there's usually the opulence of society backing it up, that's providing true. some, like, break from the constant assault of, like, people in difficult circumstances. And I think Elizabeth Hoyt tends to walk the line of the ridiculous a little bit more. Yes, yes, I agree. Which this wasn't provide some escape. There is no ridiculousness here either. This does not feel ridiculous. This isn't yeah, 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 yeah. This isn't he doesn't respond to the stresses of being a doctor by becoming a vigilante stalking the halls of the asylum at night. Right, exactly. So all I'm saying is like I get I think I know what you're saying when you feel like they're similar in terms of I think a lot of the dialogue. And the way the characters talked to each other, I could see those like being similar and can think about scenes, I think, in this book mm-hmm. versus in, you know, uh, the, some of the Elizabeth White we've read and that they were addressed similarly. But I think the underlying tone was much darker here. I don't know if I agree or not, but it, yeah. it, this is dark. This is definitely dark. Dark. Yes. Like, this is dark. So I do agree with that much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I do, one of the things I like, and these are things that we talked about in Tropes, but I love that he accepts her for who she is and accepts the fact that the entire time that they've been together, she's been trying to seduce him so that he will break her out of the asylum. Yeah. He knows that. And he he doesn't fall for her seductions. He falls in love with her because she is a woman who would, after 10 years, and these circumstances still try to escape in the only way that she can. Yep. And so I really like that fine distinction. So I really liked that a lot. I liked some of the scenes where we're inside of her head mm-hmm. and she's calculating. Do I have the breakdown that will justify them treating me like I'm crazy Or do I take this sitting down, which makes me feel crazy? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, realizing the 12 years of that. And there are some scenes, and we'll get to this with trigger warnings, where she is physically abused. Mm Mm-hmm. 
But in some ways, I found those scenes of her trying to calculate how to respond to the abuse the yeah. most emotionally exhausting to think about. Yeah. Uh, and I think it, I do think it gives you an idea of what people in these kinds of circumstances are doing every day. And I'm not talking about being confined to an asylum, but I'm talking about being in an abusive relationship, you know? what do you do when that person who's abusive comes home? How do you react? What do you do? And you mu- you have to be calculating all the time. Once again, I don't know how I felt about being constantly in that headspace while reading a romance novel, mm-hmm. but it was good. Right. In the sense of like, it made me think and it felt authentic and I felt like it made this character unique. Exactly. I don't know if we need to talk about it again, but um, I did love his, his, all of his hangouts about being loved and being attractive. Okay. I actually had an issue with one of his hangups though. Mm-hmm. I, so he is a widow or widower. Yes. And I feel like there was a lot of tension and drama alluded to in his first marriage. Mm-hmm. And maybe that his first wife wasn't super attracted to him. Either, I mean, she definitely. What I got the, I got the feeling that she wasn't very demonstrative in her love. I had the feeling that she she loved him enough that she would get married to him. That was like a come down in the world, but then it she fell out of love. It wasn't strong enough to last. Uh, he, this is kind of what I'm about to get at. Okay. I didn't get that sense. Okay. And I don't think it's because you interpreted something that was on the page. I think there wasn't enough on the page. I I think that's fair. I, I, there... I think, like, you know, it's on the page that his first marriage was founded on love, but he definitely had some insecurities about it. Mm-hmm. Those specifics were not named, and there were points in the text where that bothered me. That's fair. And because because we always want to know more about our heroes. Right. So I agree there and there could have been some time taken away, perhaps from physical abuse to think about his past, for example. Or um, a random love triangle thrown in in the last 20 pages. Yeah. That wasn't necessary. So I think while I was glad to see his insecurities presented in the way they were, because it did kind of feel like a role reversal. I mean, how many heroines have we had who have hangups because of a past relationship, whether oh. it was good or bad? I feel like I feel like 85% of them. Right. But so I really wish that she'd gone all in with him and really told us specifically what he was working on as a result of his tragic um dead wife in childbirth yeah that's fair i i i I never i rarely want less about one of my heroes so i just thought there were some scenes that were clearly supposed to be him making emotional breakthroughs that suffered from the fact that i didn't really know what his emotional hang-up was that's fine okay so we're going to talk about their marriage because I I was a little confused, and perhaps, Lane, maybe you have a different understanding than I do. I was a little confused, because they got married to get her out of the asylum, right? He was like, we're going to mm-hmm. get married, and then basically you'll be under my protection rather than under your father's protection, so then I can make the decisions about your care, basically, mm-hmm. right? 
That's what it all boils down to. So they sneak out of the asylum, they get married, and then they go back to the asylum. Yeah. So I was a little confused about why they didn't just, like, hop in a carriage and have a honeymoon or something. <laughs> Uh, I think if they'd done that, if I, this is my understanding based on the text, I'm not saying I think it's rational. Mm -hmm. Caveat. Um, she, the the doctor at the asylum would have signed paperwork saying she was unfit to make mm -hmm. that decision. Mm -hmm. And it just would have been annulled on that basis. Okay. So they were uh, going back to the asylum to buy more time to come up with other solutions. Like she had his protection as his wife this way. And if like they, he were to be fired and like, forcibly removed from the asylum or if her father came and got her like the deed was done but okay. they didn't feel like it was a strong enough case to rely solely on that okay I was still basically I was very surprised when he's like all right we're gonna get married and they like left and then they came back and I was I just remember being like wait what like really no that, I thought you were I, I thought this was your big break and you were getting out of there I'm not saying I thought their plan was well formulated. Mm -hmm. I'm saying there was a reason given on the page. Sure. Okay. I thought, so the, the central conflict of this book is she is institutionalized, right? And so like clearly the extent of her suffering, well-defined. Why he wants to help her, well-defined. Like how they're going, he's going to help her in the sense that like marriage feels like the best option. Great. That's all on the page. In addition to his, like, past emotional trauma with his ex-wife, I thought some of the secondary conflicts could have used an editor. Sure. Um, so her father, whose identity has been a mystery, who's institutionalized her her entire life, the ending with him felt really unsatisfying. It was, it was rushed. I think it was supposed to be, like, his, he, got, he got his just desserts, but also it's like, okay. It was, very, it was rushed. It was very fast. And maybe that's authentic, right? Like maybe this idea that it doesn't feel fully fleshed out is genuinely what a lot of abused children get in this sort of scenario. But as a reader, it wasn't the like, fuck yeah, empowerment moment I really wanted. Yeah. And I think it was only exacerbated by the fact that one of the individuals she'd slept with at the institution prior to this doctor coming up was her previous doctor, like mm -hmm. years ago. And he fled after the head doctor caught them hooking up but the head doctor never reported it so he's just able to come back randomly at the end to be a just ex machina and like facilitate another weird anger against her plot mm -hmm. i don't know i just thought there was enough conflict without that right and i really didn't understand what the point of adding that in I think it actually detracted from the story. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it things did seem to be coming to a, a different conclusion. Mm -hmm. And it was like a last minute, like third act. What just happened there? And then it was poorly justified because everything you know about this doctor, like I don't buy that he wouldn't have reported that guy immediately. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think I, it was she, she did so well with a conflict. I don't even know how she did well that the fact that there were these like tacked on extraneous conflicts that felt unresolved. I was like, wow, you didn't need any of this. You were doing so well with something you had no right to do well with at all. Exactly. You were doing such a good job with the. Yes, I, I, yeah. I agree. Uh, content warning. 
as oh my God. Lane said, there is physical abuse. So she is, she's slapped, she's pinched, she's almost drowned in an ice bath. She's verbally abused. Yes. So there's verbal abuse. There's medical abuse. So she's misdiagnosed on purpose several times. The nurse gives her inappropriate treatments a lot. There's animal abuse. Yeah. So she, he, Will has a dog that stays with her to protect her, and the dog is beaten and drugged several times. Yep. Yep. All that said, guys, there is no sexual violence. Yeah, um, he lost a wife in childbirth, just in he case that's triggering. Triggering for anyone, that's really not a spoiler. It's revealed very, very early in the text. And it can be difficult to read. It's a heavy book. That's, like, here's the thing. I don't think any of the abuse read as gratuitous. I agree. I, I wasn't, there are books that I have read that I was like, what, like, why am I reading this? I felt, I felt really gross after reading it. I felt like it was totally unnecessary. And I, I didn't feel that way reading this one. I felt like it was authentic. Yeah. And so, so what she would have gone through. It's more of a question of like, do you even want to read this mm-hmm. knowing that this is kind of the setup? Yeah. So I, I didn't feel it was gratuitous or or exploitative. I don't know how I actually felt about this book because it was just a lot. It is a lot. I agree with you, Lane, that it is it's a lot. It is a lot to deal with. So, you know, assess your own mental state before you read it, because you know, like saying this relationship was really handled well means that there was something to handle you know right (laughs) I think that's kind of the good caveat like basically we don't think anything was poorly done I don't have a rant I don't have Mm -mm. it's just every page is a trigger warning basically pretty much every page something something goes down yeah she's institutionalized when like unjustly that in of itself is a lot it's a lot it's a lot it's true and then so is there sexiness to make up for it? Yeah, I don't think there's enough to make up for it. <laughs> Look, they have to wait for a very long time to even like hold hands. Yeah. Look, I Regency Jim Bob got to hold hands way more then these two got to hold hands. Like, they all, they get to walk around the asylum grounds together, but he doesn't even, like, give her his arm to lean on. Yeah. Because he doesn't want to overstep. And on the one hand, that's how this has to be written. Like, you have to write this that way, because otherwise we would have been like, nah, not reading this book. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, what I want is when they finally get together... It better be like two chapters of really hot sex. And that's not what it was, unfortunately. And it also couldn't have been like his room is still in the asylum where she is being kept prisoner. Like, I think weirdly. I don't know what I would have done because I think tonally this book works as in and of itself. And I think 
what I would do to fix it, quote unquote, would lessen the strength of the narrative it has to offer. Maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know but if I would wish fix that, it. Like, yeah. But I, I wish they had run away after they'd gotten married and the last 30% of it was them on the run, but like happy and alone and her not a prisoner anymore. Mm -hmm. Or that the stuff with her brother had happened earlier and they were able to do some of the setting up of that new life they talked about hypothetically on the page. Like, I think I wanted like a victory for them mm -hmm. and for that victory to include sex. Yeah. Not in the asylum. That's true. There is no sex that does not take place outside of the asylum, which is an issue. It's not an issue. It's a disappointment. This is a tough to read book about an institutionalized woman on every page, even the pages that are fun and sexy. Mm -hmm. And I struggled with that. But like I said, I think to do something that we would have liked more from a sex perspective, I do think like makes this a different book. I, I, I disagree because I, I, okay, I will admit that I was pretty let down by their first sex scene. Yeah. Be this, I would say that, I won't say that she quite rivals Sherry Thomas because Sherry Thomas is like the queen of sexual tension. There was a lot of sexual tension in this book, but where she is similar to Sherry Thomas is that when the payoff came, I, it wasn't enough for me. Okay. You know, you don't have to air this if you don't want, but like they have sex up against the door and then she doesn't even come. Yeah, no, that was, I'm airing that please, Meg. Um, <laughs> no, that was, she is left unsatisfied in their first sexual encounter and he doesn't seem to have a problem with that. Yeah, that's 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 my biggest issue with Will because Will was such a great guy up until that moment. And I was like, Will, Will, Will. Yeah. E Elizabeth Hoyt's heroes would never do that. Yeah, I mean that's true. I I don't know. Like, yes, obviously it would that would have been a minor change that would have made a big improvement. But I'm just saying because of the nature of the circumstances. I think that still could have been an A-plus sex scene, and I still would have been like, she's still literally in her prison. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying the this, this sex in and of itself could have been better. Yeah. Uh, for her, yeah. specifically. For, for her, specifically. And, but and for us as a reader. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, again, I kudos to Julia Bennett for the fact that she didn't give in to, like, the longing the touching and the making out in the library and all that stuff, all that stuff that we normally love would not have worked here. So I think the fact that she recognized that, and I think, so basically I think the placement of the sex scenes was appropriate. Uh, and I think that when they happen in the narrative was appropriate. I wouldn't have minded just a little bit more. Of the each, not more sex but more from the sex scene that we got. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. Okay. I think I, it would not have made a difference to me because the nature of this book prevented me from finding it sexy. That's fair. But I agree with you that 
if you're going to do it, at least get the girl off. This is the only thing you have to do as a romance hero. Okay, guys? <laughs> I mean, literally, it's the most important rule. It's a very important rule. Like, plot twist rule number one. That said, going back to my favorite mistress, the first time they do it, she doesn't come. But he has made her come, like, twice before. And it's a little different because they do fight and end things. Yes, that's true. mid it is. It's true. It's true. It's true. So, anyway, um, thank you guys so much for listening. We would love it if you would rate, review, subscribe, but also check us out on Instagram and Goodreads.